Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. It seems that many people are experiencing tough times. Some at work, others in their finances and health. Still others are experiencing family and relationship difficulties. Maybe some people have let you down when you were trusting them. Maybe a loved one has passed away. Pastor Todd has hope and good news for us today. As Pastor Todd regularly asks, are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. Uh, I've had a lot of feedback from people in this group as we've talked over fighting for yourself and how to spiritually do battle on your own. A lot of people are in tough places right now. They're just in hard seasons in their life. If you know what I mean by a hard season, it's a time of your life where things just are not working out, where there's drama all around you. Anybody know what I mean? drama all around you. Uh, Maybe your health gets stolen from you and you're dealing with an illness or a sickness. Maybe problems at your job, just the guy you work for, the the place you work, uh, not going well. Maybe your family has just gone crazy. That never happens to y'all? That's awesome. Maybe unforgiveness has you in its grips and it's just difficult to forgive when you need to forgive. Maybe there are people around you who have let you down. Let's just be honest. They were supposed to be there for you and they weren't. Maybe your spouse during this season just doesn't get you, just doesn't understand your needs, just doesn't understand how to communicate with you. Maybe creditors are calling you on a regular basis and you don't see the way out of that. Maybe there's a job that just can't be found. You're looking, you're being diligent, you're looking in all kinds of areas, but that job just hadn't come about. Maybe your car's broke down and you don't know how you're going to get fixed. Maybe your house is falling apart. Things need to be repaired and you don't have the money for that. Maybe your kids have just gone insane. There is a season where they do that, by the way. I think it's like 13 to 19. That's the insane time. But if you're 13 to 19 here, I prophesy over you that will not happen to you. Maybe somebody close to you died. Here's what I'm saying. We all go through these times in our life where it got weird. It got hard. It got frustrating. It got confusing. And and as I talk to you guys through the week, many of you right now are going through things. You're waiting for them to come to an end. You're waiting for the breakthrough. You're waiting for the change. And the typical thing for a pastor to do would be go in the Bible, see how God answered the prayers and be uplifted and be encouraged. I don't happen to be that pastor. I want to show you that in the Bible, These men and women of old and of great went through it too. They went through the same kind of struggles, many exactly the same kind of struggles that we go through today. I think of people like Joseph. Uh, Joseph, who was mocked by his brothers when he was young, and they took him and they threw him in a well, and they sold him into slavery to a group that was passing by, and then went and told his dad that he had died And Joseph goes into slavery and works his way up, diligently works his way up to the top of the pile in Egypt. And then the wife of the uh, Potiphar's wife ends up accusing him of something he didn't do, and he gets thrown in prison. Now he's in prison, and he's interpreting dreams, and he's telling the people who's interpreting, man, you're going to get out of prison. By the way, when you get out, remind them that I'm here. And they forget him. For two years, 
they forget him. This guy has gone through some storms. And we look at the classic example that we always talk about is Job. Uh, Job went through having 7,000 sheep die, having 3,000 camel stolen, 500 uh, yoke of oxen stolen, 500 female donkeys stolen, all of his wealth, his physical wealth gone. And then listen, in one day, a house collapses and kills all 10 of his children. That's a hard time. That's a confusing time. That's a frustrating time. Did it get better for Job? No. Then he got boils. He had boils. And then his friends started saying, you must not be right with God, buddy. You better get right with God. Anybody have friends like that? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you why that's going wrong. You know, you're only spending six minutes in quiet time. You're supposed to be sending eight. But here's the reality. It didn't get better for a while. It got worse for a while. I look at a guy like David, David before he was king. I think this is an incredible story. Uh, he goes and joins the Philistine army because the Philistine army is fighting against someone that Saul is fighting against, and he just wants to fight. So he gets in the Philistine army, and the Philistine army, his enemy's army that he joined, kicks him out. He says, no, you can't be in our army. We don't think we trust you. Now, I'm telling you, if I'm going to fight in the enemy's territory with the enemy, they got to know I'm there for a reason, but they kick him out, and he goes home. And when he gets home to his city, Ziklag, you know what's happened? The Amalekites have come in. They burned the whole city. They've taken his wife and kids and all of his men's wife and kids. I mean, if that's not insult to injury, then his men turn on him and say, David, this is all your fault. Does it get better? No, David says, look, we got to go after the Amalekites. We got to get them. We got to bring them back. So he takes this group down there and on his way, 200 of the 600 say, hey, David, we're tired. We're not going to do this. We just quit. Ever anybody just quit on you? Uh, it's in the middle of the battle when, you, when you're ready to go and all of a sudden these men just quit. David, it got worse for him instead of better. I, I look at a guy like Paul, 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul actually lists out. Now, this is what I want you to know about Paul. Before Paul wrote this, he was struck down on the road to Damascus by Jesus Christ and given his purpose and destiny. Paul, you are going to share the gospel of the kingdom to all of the Gentiles. That's your job. That's your purpose. That's what you're going to do. Ready? Go. Go. This is what he says in 1123. Are they servants of Christ I speak as if I'm insane. I, I'm more so. In far more labors and in far more imprisonments, I was beaten without number, often in danger of death. Now listen, when I read this, this is after he has gotten that destiny from God. These things have happened to him after he's in alignment with his purposes and plans and destiny. 25, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys, and I've been in danger from rivers, and from robbers, and from countrymen, and from the Gentiles, and in the cities, and in the wilderness, and in the sea, and dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. I've been in hunger. I've been in thirst. 
I often go without food in the cold and exposure. And apart from the external things, there's the daily pressure on me for the concern of all the churches. What is he saying? He's saying that even though I'm on mission for God, even though I'm working in the plans and purposes God has for my life, even though I'm going to church every week, even though I'm giving, even though I'm being generous, even though I'm helping others, even though I'm praying, even though I'm reading scripture, I'm getting beat. I'm getting shipwrecked. I got stoned. Can you imagine him saying, I got stoned? I can't imagine living through getting stoned. And then he's, you also know that he has this thorn in the flesh that Paul prayed for. Paul prayed for that thorn to be removed, and it was never removed. God just said, in your weakness, you're made strong, so you'll stay weak. I just can't imagine knowing that God has called me to this plan, called me to this purpose, and I'm walking it out day to day, and I end up in the ocean, and, and I end up shipwrecked. Uh, one time he gets shipwrecked, and he goes over to the sea. He finally takes his piece of wood and floats over to the land. He gets off on the land. It's cold there, so they build a fire, and as he's gathering wood, a snake comes out and bites him. I'd be like, come on, God. Come on, really? I mean, how, how much worse does it have to get? I look at guys like Moses in the Bible. We see Moses as this great leader, but look what happened to him. He ends up killing a man. He ends up running away for 40 years, tending sheep, knowing that he was raised in a palace, and now he's tending sheep. And then God speaks to him, and God says, you're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to take all of those people out of Egypt to a promised land. That's awesome. But if you'll read in Exodus chapter 4, please go look this up. God meets Moses at a hotel and says, I've come here to kill you. God says that of Moses. What is it like when God says, I'm done with you? But through the circumcision of his son, God allows him to continue. And, and he goes and he has to convince the leader of this place, your 600,000 men that work for you, I need them to just walk out of the city and be done with you. So he has to lead that group. Now listen to me. He leads 600,000 men, so we're going to assume about 2 million total with families and all. He leads them out in the desert, and he spends 40 years listening to them whine. Oh, we want the onions and the leeks that are back in Egypt. Did you bring us out here to starve to death? Where's our water? And he's constantly having to, and then he goes up to speak with God and they're down in the valley. And when he comes down, they're worshiping a golden calf and he has to go back to God and said, look, I know they're stupid, but don't kill them. He has to plead with them, plead with God that they could just continue to go on. And then he has to go and, and judge them all. And at one point, have you ever just gotten really tired of being the leader? Where you're just weary, where too many people have too many things they want you to solve for them. And, and Moses is getting worn out and Jethro comes, his father-in-law says, Moses, you got to take a break, buddy. You got to stop and divide this into hundreds and thousands so that you're not having to carry all this load. And then when it comes time to go in the promised land, he strikes the rock. He strikes the rock, and the rock was only supposed to be struck once because Jesus, our rock, is only struck once. But he strikes the rock, and God says, I'm going to pull you out and put Joshua in, just going to take you to heaven. 
I read about a guy named Jeremiah, a prophet in the Bible. The people want to kill him. His own relatives betray him. Anybody? His own relatives betray him. I'm, I'm sorry, you can't raise your hand with your spouse sitting next to you. I understand. Okay. He's beaten and put in stocks by the temple overseers. This guy's a prophet. He experiences social rejection on a regular basis, mocked, publicly ridiculed. His trusted friends are watching him and waiting for him to fall. He he was seized by the priest and the prophets and all the people in order to put him to death. He gets shut up in the king's prison. He's forbidden to go into the temple. He's accused of treason. He's beaten and he's placed in a dungeon cell. And at one point, they put him in a muddy cistern and allow him to sink into it by lowering him down by ropes and wait for him to starve to death. And then he ends up going in chains during the exile to Babylon. This is the man of God. This is the voice of God for the people. And he goes to, I can just go on and on and on. I look at, I look at women in the Bible like Esther. Esther gets promoted into a very prestigious position and then has to go before the king, knowing that if I go before the king, he has the right to kill me for coming before him. But she goes anyways. And she has to fight for her people to live and survive. I look at people like Ruth, whose husband died and she goes with her mother-in-law back to a foreign land where she doesn't live and tries to mingle into that society, he has to glean grain from the corn of the field. Uh, look at men like Elijah. Uh, Elijah, who has this monumental moment on Mount Carmel, but then the queen says, before this day's over, we're going to kill you. And he runs and he hides in the cave, man. Ever hid in the cave? Ever hid in the cave? Just shut down. Just leave me alone. Just get away from me. I need to be out of this for a moment. I look at guys like Abraham. Uh, when he's got the voice of God talking to him, and yet the voice of God says, Abraham, go kill your son for me. I don't know what that's like. I don't know if I could even deal with that or face that. Look at guys like Stephen, who in the middle of being stoned, in the middle of them throwing rocks at him, in the middle of them killing him, he's praising God. Say, I'll take it. I'll take it. I also knew a man. At 17, his parents divorced of 19 years of marriage. At 26, his dad, his grandmother, and his mother-in-law all died in the same year. At 35, he was unfairly fired from a job that he worked very hard to get. At 38, his wife died. At 47, the senior pastor that he was working for committed a felony crime against him. At 51, he was forced to resign from a church that he built for three and a half years over a disagreement about the Holy Spirit. Life is hard. Life goes through seasons that are tough, It's crazy. And I'm looking at your faces and realize, you know what that's like. You know what it's like to go through one of those times. You know what it's like to just try to press on and stay in there and fight and just wonder, when will this ever come to an end? But I want you to hear me something. Joseph, after all of that chaos, ends up in the number two position in Egypt and saves his entire family from dying of the drought. Job actually got double back in his wealth for everything that was stolen from him. David became king, and you and I know him today as the man after God's own heart. What an honor. Uh, Look at Paul, and I say, this man wrote 
What we now study to learn about Jesus, to learn about God. I look at Moses and he was taken in that last moment to his ultimate promise, to his ultimate uh, eternity. I look at guys like Jeremiah. Do you know Jeremiah is known as the most Christ-like prophet in the Bible? What a title to have, the most Christ-like prophet. And I look at this guy I know, and I know that he is right where he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he finds a great honor in that. What's my point today? It's hard sometimes. For some of you right now sitting here, listen, I talk to you. Someone died who was close to you. Your marriage is chaos and you don't know what to do about it. It just seems to be getting worse. You can't find employment or substantial enough employment to pay the bills. you got kids that are kind of running amok and you just don't know what to do. And we just go through these and they just seem to go on and they're stressful and they take time. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Paul knew what it was like to go through a season that was hard. So he writes this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure he's talking about? He has previously explained that that treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus. In other words, the treasure that we carry is understanding that there's this awesome, glorious God who sent Jesus down, and now we can accept Jesus and have the Spirit of God in us and live through life. That's the treasure in earthen vessels. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Now look at verse 8. This is where we all jump into scripture. We are afflicted in every way. Uh, Listen to me. Whatever affliction you're going through, you're not the only one who's been through that affliction. There are others who have been through that affliction. And there are all kinds of affliction. There are literally millions of afflictions that can come upon us. And so we're afflicted in many, many, every way, but we're not crushed by them. He starts dripping in this piece of hope that he's going to explain in a minute. He said, yeah, we go through this stuff, but we don't get crushed by it. He says, we're perplexed. Come on, anybody ever gone through a time in your life where you're just flat confused? What are you doing, God? What am I supposed to be doing? Why is this not working out? This is what I thought you told me I'd be doing. It's a great opportunity given to me, and now it's going awry. I'm just completely perplexed. But he says, we're not despairing. He says, we get persecuted. Persecuted. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. Can I be honest, church? The vast majority of our persecution as Christians today comes from other Christians. There are very few of us that are truly persecuted by the world. Very few of us that are mocked by the world. But there's plenty of us who are told by other believers what we're doing wrong. There are plenty of us who are told by other believers, you better get right. There are plenty of us who are told by other believers, I don't think you're being very Christ-like. Happens to me. Okay. (laughs) Even in our persecution, we're not forsaken. We're not alone, which is the biggest drama of persecution is I feel like I'm alone. And he's saying, no, 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 you're not 
forsaken in that. And he says, we get struck down. Anybody been struck down? Anybody been struck down by the death of a spouse or a parent or a child? Anybody been struck down by a layoff or a firing or an unemployment? Anybody been struck down by a spouse who leaves? Anybody been struck down in a situation where you just feel like you took a two before to the head? It happens, but we're not destroyed. We're always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. So he's laying this seed of hope in you. Here's what he's saying. Yeah, you're going to be afflicted. Yeah, you're going to be confused. Yeah, you're going to be persecuted. Yeah, there's going to be times where you're crushed. But guess what? There's something going on in you that is greater than that affliction. There's something going on in you that can give you hope. There's something underneath that's going to rise up, and it's in 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, even though our outer man got persecuted and struck down, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Our inner man, the soul, the spirit is being renewed day by day. Now listen to me. If you're in the middle of that season, you don't get the day by day renewal, do you? It's like, I'm not feeling renewed. I'm just feeling beat up. So he goes on to explain. For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. What? For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory Far beyond all comparison. Listen, I struggled for years with what Paul was trying to say here. What is your point in saying, I'm going to bit beat up, but it's okay. It's right here in this statement. All comparison. All comparison. Guys, hear me out. Would you rather spend a day where it's 95 degrees outside with 95% humidity in an attic full of insulation, pulling wires for eight hours, which probably 120 degrees in the attic. Or would you rather be given free, no debt, a 20,000 square foot house in the Caribbean with an entire staff to do work for you so you can sip frozen drinks, sit on your watch and uh, yacht and catch 200 pound sailfish. Which one, A or B? B. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that I would rather sit on the yacht and sip frozen drinks and pull in a 200 pound uh, sailfish than I would to pull wire through an insulated attic on a 100 degree day. That's actually what Paul is saying. Okay, ladies, you feel left out. Let me go for you. <laughs> ladies, would you rather spend the day cleaning up the vomit of your sick children while you are vomiting yourself all day? Come on, some of you know that, right? Is that not the miserable of the miserable when your kids are miserable and you're miserable with them, but you got to be the responsible one and clean it up while you're miserable? Or would you rather be given a 200,000 square foot house in the Caribbean with the entire staff to do work for you so you can fri skip fro uh, sip frozen drinks, sit on your yacht, wait, while your feet are being rubbed, your nails are being done, and your closet has 500 pairs of shoes. Yeah, yeah. See, this is the point Paul is making. He's saying what's off is you're comparing the season and you're comparing the affliction and you're comparing the trouble to the trouble 
instead of to the glory that's ahead of you. Instead of what's going on ahead of you. He makes a couple, let me just, okay. So I want you to think of one thing you did yesterday. One thing, did you, did you go to the car wash? Did you, did you uh, go to Orlando? Did you take a drive? Whatever it was. And if I were to sit you down with me and say, I want you to tell me every possible thing you can about yesterday. I got up at this time. Uh, I, I brushed my teeth with Colgate. I, uh, I had Cheerios for breakfast. If you were to go through that whole day, how long would it take you to tell me what one day had in it? If you were good, if you were good, you might keep me occupied for about three to four hours while you told the story of your day. Now, I want to ask you a question. If I ask you to do the same thing 10 years ago in 2007, 2007, pick any day, any day you want, something you didn't do, that, maybe you went to a wedding, maybe you went to an amusement park, whatever you did, and I said 10 years, that day, tell me everything you can remember about that day. My guess is if you were really good, now we're talking 45 minutes to an hour worth of material because things start slipping away and you just remember the basics. Some of you in this room can do this. Some of you can't. If you can't, just imagine what it'd be like. What if I asked for a day 50 years ago? 50 years ago, 1967. 50 years ago, tell me everything about that one day. Now, all of a sudden, you got 15 minutes worth if there was something really special that happened in that day. Why am I walking you through this? Because one day... We're going to step out of this into an eternity. And I believe in eternity, there is no time. But let's go ahead and measure it by time. And let's say that you and I are sitting together in heaven, and it is now 500,000 years from today. 500,000 years. I'll promise you, you wouldn't remember today at all. If I were to ask you, what do you remember about your 80 years in the human body? You could probably tell me who you're married to, who your kids were, what kind of job you did. But one day you're going to look back and that thing's going to be nothing. This life we live. The Lord says it this way. He says, our life is like a vapor that fades away. If I were to take a spray bottle and spray it in front of you, you'd see this vapor and you would just watch it dissipate. And within about 15 seconds, it'd be gone. He says, that's what our life's like. Our, our life is like that. And so what Paul is saying in this scripture is, hey, let's do the right comparison. If we're struggling, if we're afflicted now, this is momentary and light affliction. Now, let me ask you this. Paul the guy who got stoned, the guy who got beaten with rods is saying this is a light affliction. Paul, the guy who went through all of that, now says it's momentary. It's momentary. And so he goes on in 18 to say, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that we see, that's us right now, that's temporal. And the things that are not seen, that's heaven and the existence with God forever, that's eternal. So you could look at it and say, this is really depressing. It's really depressing because I just have to suffer through this life in order to take on that 
glory. I, I really wish what we could do is see this life from God's perspective. Because God is sitting back saying, are you kidding me? This is nothing. This is nothing. I got a room for you. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wedding. I'm going to show you colors you've never seen. Let you hear sounds and music you've never heard. I'm going to amaze you forever. And you're worried about what's going on there. So what if we give up? What if this affliction that comes on us, we finally just say, enough. Can't do it anymore. I'm done. What if Joseph gave up while he was in prison? What if David gave up because of his great sin before God? What if Moses gave up in his weariness? What if Job gave up because he'd lost his whole family and all of his wealth? What if Elijah gave up because he knew Jezebel would eventually find him? What if Peter gave up? because he stood right in front of Jesus and denied him three times. Here's the truth. They would never fulfilled the destiny that God had for their life because they gave up. Amen. That destiny that God has for you is still waiting to be fulfilled while you go through momentary Afflictions. My message today is that we need to be renewed in our inner man in order to go through these afflictions and these sufferings that are temporal because what lies ahead of us is not comparable to what's going on here. It cannot even be compared, was Paul's point. We've got to go to the house, on the beach, with the yacht, with the frozen drink, with the shoes, with the foot rub. That's all out there. So what do I got? to do? I got to get through this moment. How do I get through this time? How do I get through this time where I'm struggling? I believe the way we do it is in 2 Peter 1.4. 2 Peter 1.4. 2 Peter 1.4 says this, for by these he has granted to us his, God's, precious and magnificent promises. God has precious and magnificent promises for you. So that by them, by the promises, the precious and magnificent promise, you may become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world by lust. You hear what he just said? God has made you promises so that through those promises, you can partake in God, in the divine nature and what he has for you while you deal with the corruption that's in this world and in this flesh. Stand to your feet, please. Stand to your feet. I'm looking for my prayer partners to come forward. All my prayer ministers, I need you down front. Here's what I'm saying. It is absolutely 100% without a doubt true that you're going through a struggle right now. You're going through a problem, a season that is confusing. It's tough. It's not prosperous. It's not good in relationships. It's not good at your job. You're going through a time that is hard. But listen to me. That is temporal. It is not going to last. It will be done away with. You do have victory in Christ. So what do we do in the meantime? 
we get renewed in our inner man. Not the outer one that's dealing with the affliction, the inner man that has to be strong. And we do that through the promises, the magnificent and precious ones that were given to us so that we can partake in a divine nature instead of the corruption of this world. Promises like this, sorrow may last for the night. Oh, but joy comes in the morning. I'm taking these straight out of scripture. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, so do not fear, for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will withhold, uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen to me. Listen to what this promise said. If he has to uphold you, it means you're down. It means you're depressed. It means you're in the gutter. But he's going to uphold hold you with his right hand of righteousness. Scripture says he will never leave you or forsake you. That his grace is sufficient for every need. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That no weapon formed against you can stand. Have I not commanded you be strong, be courageous. God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. The Lord is your salvation. Whom shall you fear? The Lord is a refuge. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. He's faithful to finish the work he started in you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll put a new spirit within you. He'll remove the old heart of stone. He'll give you a heart of flesh. He has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. And if you lack wisdom, come. He gives it generously. We cling to promises. Promises that God has made so that Paul could keep going even when he was stoned. So that Paul could keep going even when he was shipwrecked. So that Paul could keep going even when he was beaten. He still kept going because he knew the promises of God for his life. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue in Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. 
That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.